Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast, where today is a very special day. Welcome to the 2019 Net Worthies. That's right, folks, the Women's Tennis Premier Award Show of the Year. <laughs> We're here. It's time. And joining me, as always, from the other side of the country, it's still the AM where he is. Spread, what's it like in Sacramento today? Oh, we got a little rainstorm, so it's actually a little wet out here. It's finally getting clean. It was real dry, so uh, cold, crisp morning here in Sacramento. Do you hear that, Noobs? I did. Do you hear the 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 world's smallest violin I'm playing for? uh, (laughs) for (laughs) Well, how's the weather in Toronto today? You know, we did a periscope the other day, Jorge, and it was actually warmer in Philadelphia than it was in Sacramento. For the first time in our recording history, I had better weather than spread. Okay, I might have to uh, I might have to upgrade this to a slightly larger violin. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's uh, it snowed yesterday. a couple of my buddies that I usually go to the bars with on Friday nights, uh, they work a lot of uh, snow removal. Um, not, you know, residential, but more streets and whatnot. They work for a company that does a lot of those. And my buddy's like, are you choking me? So on Thursday night, I go, what do you mean? He goes, buds, it's fucking, uh, <laughs> it's, it's snowing all day Friday. So it wasn't too bad where I live in the end. But uh, yeah, a lot of people were out all, all day and night uh, removing snow. So yeah, typical uh, December. Well, that's lovely. It's just about Christmas time, but we're here. And just before we give out you know, the premier awards for the year, there was some news this week. Um, not too surprising from my standpoint, something that we kind of talked about off and on, I think, a lot through the last season. Caroline Wozniacki has announced that she'll be retiring from professional tennis at the end of the Australian Open. Um, we'll go through entry list a little bit later, but that only leaves her about three weeks of tennis left in her career. Um, one of the big themes, again, from last year, and we talked about it when we pre- previewed the year anyway, uh, she was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, I'd say about a year, maybe a year and a half ago at this point. And for those of you that don't remember, it is a disease essentially where your immune system um, is constantly confused. And as part of that, it attacks your joints and there's a lot of swelling and pain and it really can tick up uh, pretty quickly. And even if you're managing that disease, you're more open to things like getting the flu or getting sick or things like that. So we know she had a really rough year. Um, you know, I didn't go through her season, but I don't believe that she won more than three matches at any tournament this year. Um, a tough season for her, and you know, we wish her the very, very best. But we'll start with you, Spread. What are your thoughts on Caroline Wozniacki, you know, her career in general, and um, you know, were you surprised by the announcement? Was not surprised. Uh, thoughts about my career, boy. She's pretty lucky to sneak out that Australian Open victory uh, last year or two years ago at this time because that kind of put a nice cherry on her career. And I think that she would have been known for not for being one of the best players ever to not win a slam. Um, so it's, I'm sure she's very happy that, and you know, Wozniacki fans are happy. Um, boy, you know what's funny is I saw a lot of comments on tennis Twitter talking about how young she was. And I remember when 23 or 24 was old uh, for women's tennis players like back in the 80s and 90s. So I think she's had a long, successful career and uh, I think it's definitely the right move for her. I don't think that uh, putting herself through that anymore is worth it, uh, especially when you have all the accomplishments that she's had. Yeah, it was. uh, you made a good point about the slam. I think that put her in a position where she has kind of this nice, tight little career. Jorge, what do you think about Caroline Wozniacki in general? And uh, are you disappointed we're not going to get to see her play tennis next year? Uh, Yeah, you know, I feel for her, but um, she seems pretty content. Uh, As Fred mentioned, there was very little motivation for her to continue and keep, you know, putting herself through uh, the grind and the travel and the fatigue and all that kind of stuff. Sorry, you spoke about being more susceptible to the flu. I'm coming off a cold this week. Um, so I might be, uh, <laughs> sound a little different, but you know, I, I'm actually, you know, I, I feel more happy for her than feel bad for her in a way, if that makes sense, because she has accomplished a hell of a lot in the sport. She did get her slam. She's married, you know, now she can focus on, on stuff outside of tennis with, uh, David Lee and, and, you know, she doesn't have to put herself through that grind the travel, dealing with rheumatoid arthritis and keeping a pro career and, uh, you know all the coaching now it's time to relax enjoy yourself and, and focus on her and her family so uh, you know I, I guess I felt kind of bad at first but I think it was Josie Morgado who pointed out that she never she said in the past even before the arthritis she never really saw herself playing too far past the age of 30 anyway um, so good for her to call it quits good career um, got her slam and and uh, you know more important things lie ahead for her so that that's uh, you know I guess it's a nice kind of 
ending to something that might have been uh, partially influenced. She says it wasn't, but I think partially influenced by an unfortunate uh, diagnosis. And I think she can make the best of it now. Yeah, she had a big year personally, again, the, the RA diagnosis, but also getting married to David Lee. I think she was recently accepted into, I believe it was Yale, the business school, maybe Harvard, but it's Harvard. Know, that's the big move for her. And uh, a lot of times we see professional athletes retire too late. I think this might yes. be one of those rare occasions where, um, you know, maybe it's a year too early, uh, but it's definitely not a year too late. So it's nice that she got to pick a right time. I think that she had a nice, neat career. I think we're always going to remember her, and I think we'll miss her a little bit. Um, I wonder if maybe in a few years, if she's feeling better and, um, you know, has finished business school and all that stuff, if she comes back. But a nice career for her, and as much as we'll miss her, um, all the very best, and we think that's a good decision. Now, let's move on to the moment at hand. Again, the premier women's tennis award show, The Networthies. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of award categories. We appreciate everyone's participation. We got a lot of votes this year. And I think we'll start with a new category. We didn't have this category last year, um, but I think it was a good addition. Match of the year. We had four matches that um, it was a long year. I know we were going back and forth behind the scenes. I'm trying to remember. I think I, guys, I think I sent you guys a list of 25 matches, actually, and we were able to wean that down to four. The first of which was the Australian Open final. Naomi Osaka beats Kvitova in three sets. Uh, Wimbledon. Now, this was only a two-set victory in the first round, but this was Coco Goff beating Venus in two sets, um, something that I think a lot of us are going to remember for a long time. The Dubai semifinals, Belinda Bencic over Svitolina in three sets, an absolute incredible display of tennis. And the U.S. Open final, Bianca Andreescu gets a chance to beat Serena Williams. And I believe it was just the tournament prior, Serena actually retired in the final, so they finally got a chance to play. Now, taking a look at the votes, 40% of our voters picked the U.S. Open final. But we'll start with you, Jorge. What was your pick for match of the year? Oh, boy. Um... <laughs> The reason why I like this list so much is you've got... Uh, I'm going to rule out Benchich versus Svitolina not based on bias, just because I, the other three all have so much more going for them. Like, the Andreescu over Serena, it's not a Canadian bias thing. It's Remember how, you know, kind of in control Andreescu looked for so, for so long in that match. And then Serena in that second set absolutely roars back and you had that feeling like uh-oh if Bianca doesn't do it here there's no chance she wins that third set right so I think for this kid on the U.S. Open stage with the crowd 110% against her in the largest tennis arena in the world against the greatest women's player of all time for a kid and a teenager who has now blown this this big lead to compose yourself and in those final games come back and beat Serena, I think that kind of accomplishment, while the scoreline may not indicate best match of the year, it it puts it right up there. Golf like over golf uh, over Venus for me is probably one of those memorable moments of the year. So I think you know that has to be in consideration. Also, you know I run the risk of letting my bias come in here with my anti-Venus pro Coco Golf stance. Like for <laughs> for me, that was not just a great moment because of you know all the things that go into that, but also because you know Venus lost early at a slam, and I was like, yes, thank God. Um, and then, but I, I think I have to vote for Osaka Kvitova in terms of the best actual match of the year. I, I, that that match was absolutely bonkers down in Australia. Um, it had everything you want. It had two of the top players. It had two servers on a fast surface. It had the scoreline was ultra tight. The match throughout was ultra tight. It was at a Grand Slam. It was in a Grand Slam final. I just think it has all the makings of what you want in a match of the year. Spray, did you hear that? There's an American tennis player that uh, Jorge likes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm turning over a new leaf here. How about you, Spread? What was your pick for match of the year? So my pick was also Osaka over Kvitova. I saw that everyone, um, well, not everyone, but 40% of the voters chose Andreescu versus Serena. But I made—I mean, Jorge pretty much just said it. Osaka is, as far as like the shot making and then the drama with the stakes, uh, I thought that was the best match by far. Um, Naomi, when she's on fire, is one of the, the most fun players to watch, just painting the lines. And, of course, Kvitova has her own what I call aggressive artistry as well, um, where she's just able to, to just manufacture these brilliant winners. Um, so that was my favorite match. I can understand why Andreescu over Serena 
might have, uh, or, you know, more people chose that one because that one kind of had the symbolic, um, you know, I know they, Serena's passed the torch to about four different women so far. None of them seem to be hold on. But it kind of did have that feeling. And like Jorge said, it, while it seemed to be a coronation for the first set and a half, there was those tight moments, and it really required Andreescu to hold on and, and show some mental toughness, and I thought that made that match really enjoyable as well. This is always such a tough decision for me, and I, I like that you guys hit on a lot of things. Historical significance, I, I think, is what we talk about when we talk about the U.S. Open final. Not just that it was a Grand Slam final, but it really felt like the moment where Andreescu put an exclamation point on what was an incredible season and against the greatest women's tennis player of all time. You know, we can argue about that, um, but Serena is certainly in that discussion. Now, the interesting point for me is I think that the best level of tennis of these four matches was the Benchitz-Fidelina match. I, I watched all four of these matches, and that's the one that I remember, and, and I just remember the most incredible points, um, just the most intrigue. I thought that was the best match of the year, but from a historical significance standpoint, it is just the semifinal of a Masters. And that's why I'm also kind of land on the Australian Open. I think that that was pretty close to the level of tennis you saw in that Benchitz-Fidelina match. Osaka and Kvitova continued to hit incredible shots. Uh, both of them came from positions where you thought it, at certain points Kvitova was going to win and Osaka was going to win, and they continued to turn the tables. And it was a Grand Slam final. I think that is historically significant. That's you know, Osaka really proving, after winning the U.S. Open, that she is a serious contender for best tennis player in the world, winning a her second slam there. Um, so I'm going to choose that as well, I think. See, and the, my thing too is I don't want to just pick the slam matches. And I, I have here, but I, I think it's important to note it's more out of I truly believe they're the matches of the year. I can't stand, you know, here in North America when the Heisman winner is always a quarterback and the most valuable player is always the best player on the best team and not the most actually valuable to their team. Um, I truly believe that it should be val- evaluated on, on the basis of the best match. Not the best match of a slam. But I do think that both Andreescu and Serena, considering how the matches played out, and of course, Kvitova Osaka, like, slam or not, that final at the Aussie, the tension, the back and forth, the three sets, you know, the tight matches, everyone holding some great shots. I think regardless of where that match is, it would have been one of the matches of the year. So uh, I do think it is important to note that we don't just... Is historical significance part of what goes into it? Yes. But it shouldn't, you know, disqualify others either. I just, I just think it was the best match, plain and simple. Right. It was, a, it was a good nexus for me of both. I thought, again, I like the level of the Benchich-Fidelina match, but very close for me. And again, the stakes being in that final so much higher. So we're sorry to the 40% of fans that voted for Andrew Escu over Serena. We appreciate your thoughts and opinions. But the match of the year, the net worthy goes to the Australian Open final, Naomi Osaka beating Petra Kvitova. And to note as well. Uh, it wasn't like that one lost by 20 percentage points. It was like the fourth choice of listeners. That's true. It was 40% for Andreescu over Serena, 34% for Osaka Kvitova. The next closest, the Goff match at 18%, Benjic Svitolina at 8 So, yeah. um, you know, I, second I, choice for our viewers, the clear first choice, it sounds like, from all three of us. So we'll, we'll give them the, uh, the gold, if you will. I'm seeing 39-35, by the way, so that margin's even tighter now. Because the poll's still Oh, long. yeah, I did switch. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I need to hit refresh here. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking at hours old numbers, so that's good. Let's see if we got closer. Oh, there you go. So a little closer there, but the net worthy again to the Australian Open final. Now, Defensive Player of the Year. This is a category we had last year. Do you guys remember who won Defensive Player of the Year last year? Simona, right? Indeed she did. She is one of our nominees this year, the leading vote-getter on the poll. We also have Alina Svitolina, Belinda Bencic, and Sophia Kennan. Now, I voted for Belinda Bencic. Um mm. Only received 16% of the vote. I was actually between Benchage and Cannon, and I did literally flip a coin. You know, when I think about both players this year, I thought both were um, really good from a return standpoint, really made their opponents work. When I think about Benchage specifically, though, what I liked about her was um, her ability, I think, to understand the important return points and to be more aggressive at moments and be less aggressive at other moments. I think that she has a really great feel for the match and where she is in terms of her form and the form of the, per- the player that she's playing. Um, you know, When I think of a defensive player, that's, that's kind of what I think about, somebody making the match hard for their opponent and being able to kind of turn things around and, and switch advantage positions into advantage positions for themselves. But Spread, who was your choice for defensive player of the year? I chose Simona again. I just feel that she has the best court coverage and 
she makes her opponents hit like multiple winners to really hit a winner. Um, and I think that can be really frustrating. Uh, like I said, just the most impressive court coverage, and I just didn't want to overthink it. That's smart. Jorge, what are you thinking about? Uh, well, first I want to bring out, uh, you know, one of these um, vestige underscore do underscore jour does uh, some great graphing with all this stuff. Um, want to mention that we we left out one of the highest break rates in all of tennis in Madison Brangle, and I think that was a huge oversight. Um, I think she's like the greatest player in the world. So, you know, not having Madison Brangle here is a travesty, I'm, I'm, I'm I tell you. I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure that I have a message <laughs> from you that I save on my – I need to find this. I can't remember if it's her, honestly, <laughs> or the other player that I think of when I think of Madison Brangle. But I'm pretty sure it's Madison Brangle, and uh, you're um, – No, I can't stand her. Um, less, less than nice about this. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. Madison Brangle for <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year as a write-in choice. No, but I do also want to mention that we do um, – only allow one like each player can only be nominated for one category uh, otherwise you'd have a lot of players in multiple categories um, that's something that we should probably preface here as well um, otherwise you'd have even Bianca Andreescu could be in like most improved she could be in uh, best overall and she'd certainly be among the best uh, defensive players too because she absolutely is ultra aggressive with that power on uh, her return of serve and her break rate this year was you know, only behind the likes of, you know, Halep, Vondrasova, who was hurt, so it's hard to include her. Golubich, who, you know, doesn't play a lot of high-level tournaments. And Brangle, who doesn't play a lot of high-level tournaments. Outside of Halep, she had the best break rate for almost anyone. So, you know, we do have to mention she's not in here because of that. Um, I'm not going to go with Svitolina this year. I, I feel like she just wasn't consistent enough on return um, for, for my liking. I think, you know, Halep is always going to be a good choice for a defensive player just because you know she is probably the biggest best returner in the world um but i think my second choice would actually go to sophia kennan i don't think you can overlook sophia um simona Halep. apologies just because every year she's like the number one player for return games one in terms of you know when you when you adjust for the quality of the tournaments played, uh, she's always number one. She'll always be in the top three, even if one year someone uh, displaces her. So uh, I think Simona Halep is going to win this award more often than not. But my second place, what we'll go to Sophia Cannon. I love the way and she actually does decently holding serve as well. She's she's not the prototypical defender. Um, I love the way she angles balls. I love the way that she can use um, opponents' pace. To kind of smack the ball back. Um, I think she really thinks through the point a lot more than other players. And she extends rallies and frustrates other players. She's got everything you want in a returner and a defensive player. So um, I'm going to vote for Halep because it's one of those slam dunks that you just have to you know, give it to her even if it's the obvious choice. But my honorable mention would go to Sophia Kennan. Well, the, for defensive player of the year then, the fans... Spread and Jorge stack hands on Simona Halep. Congratulations to her. Back-to-back, two-time, the only two-time winner in, of the NetWorthy Awards so far. We'll see if somebody else claims their second victory. But congratulations <laughs> to Miss Halep. And let's move on to my favorite category. This one's a, a little tough. It's a little softer category. Sixth Woman of the Year. This is something um, we're all pretty big NBA fans. Of course, you guys have heard Spread and I talk about the NBA. And one of these days, we will get Jorge on to make fun of me about the Toronto Raptors and talk about the Denver Nuggets. How's but, that under looking? Looking great. Can't, can't wait till they trade everybody at the Hey, they line. lost back-to-back games this week. You got a chance. Let's do it. Regression to the mean, baby. <laughs> One of the NBA awards of the year is sixth man of the year. Now, NBA teams play five yeah. players at a time, so you're six players, kind of like the first guy off the bench. And, and the spirit of the award really is... You know, the best player who's not a starter. And the spirit of this award really is you have big events all the time. We think of the best players in the world and we think of Grand Slams and we think of Masters. But, you know, who out of, you know, outside of that top tier of players had the best year in those tournaments, you know, in those weeks when less and less players are are playing? You know, who really was uh, the player that shined the most in kind of those secondary events? So we had four choices this year and this was the closest in terms of our voting. Shai Shai Zhang at 26%, Rebecca Peterson at 25%, Allison Van Utvank at 23%, Yulia Putin-Seva uh, at 23%. So, I'm sorry, 26%. Go ahead, Ori. I want to jump in here again um, because the new numbers have it as a three-way tie. 
I see Zhang. I just cast my vote today. I wanted to keep it as late as possible, get the numbers uh, as fresh as possible. Um, I'm seeing Zhang, Peterson, Putin, Seva, 26%, Van Utvek, 23%. Okay, so it must change just a little bit. I refreshed like just a second ago, and it's now 25, 26. But essentially, you're right. It's a three-way tie between Putin, Seva, Zhang, and Peterson. We've got Allison, Van Utvek. You know, as we start to look through the year of a lot of these players, um, you, know, you look at Zhang. She won two titles this year. Um, one was in Anning, one was in San Jose. Um, Rebecca Peterson, I believe that she also won two titles. Um, let me just double check. Um, but at least, yep, two finals for her, Nan Chang and Tianjin. Allison Van Utvank, again, also um, two finals for her as well. Um, won Budapest, won Tashkent, and then finished second in Karlsruhe. And then Putin Seva, I believe just one title for her. Let me double check there. Yes, she won Nuremberg. You know, all four winning, you know, three winning multiple titles. Putin Seva got... Um, a final for herself, but you know, a constant threat each week. So, spread. Who was your pick for six women of the year? All right. Well, one of the things that we like also in our NBA analogy is that the sixth man is supposed to bring in some energy, some excitement, some flash uh, to the team. And I feel that you know, in our the spirit of the award, this person's going to bring some of that energy and that flash to maybe some of these smaller events. So I had to give it to Putin Seva. I mean. She brings the energy. She's got the, uh, other than Ostapenko, she's got the best gifts. Uh, she has the best fist pumps, the best celebrations, always has attitude, never know what you're going to get from her. Um, so I chose Putin Seva. Jorge, how about you? I'm going Peterson. Just because I think that late season run, um, you know, included some, you know, she, it was a lucky loser, but she got a win in Wuhan. She. She qualified for another big event in Beijing and then, you know, ran into Halep in the first round, which is tough. But she beat uh, – she, she, another thing, too, is she went to that third round in Cincinnati as a qualifier. You know, look at that run in Cincinnati on, on quicker courts. She beat Gasparian, um, who sure may have been banged up. She beat Strichkova, and she beat Strichkova badly. Um, then she beat Joe Conta on a quick court. And then she beat Kudermatova, who's one of my favorite players. And she kept it close with Karolina Pliskova. Lost the first set 7-5 and then only by a single break in the second. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, another bad draw getting Yastrzemska in the second round of the, the U.S. Open. But that run is very impressive. You know, beating uh, Magdala Net in Nanchang, who at the time was playing really well. Hammering uh, Ribikina in the final. That's a very good young player and one to watch for 2020. And then, you know, she beat, um, you know, Yafin Wang and Tianjin. Uh, she beat Anjaburu at a decent season despite being bagged the first set. She beat Venus Williams, which is always something that's always an extra plus in my book um, when I'm evaluating these things. Uh, beating Venus Williams is like 100 million extra uh, bonus points. So I look at who she beat. I look at two titles. I look at a nice run at a, 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 a big premiere event in Cincinnati. I, I'm going to say Rebecca Peterson. I think Rebecca Peterson would be my choice for the group of the four to make a big step forward into the next tier. Um, you know, honestly, as I look at the other three, Zhang, Van Udvank, and Putin Seva, I think that they will be contenders for six women of the year, maybe next year, possibly the year after. Um, this was really, really tough for me. And I just hit refresh again, Jorge, and now it's back to a three-way tie. Yeah. Zhang, Peterson, and Putin Seva at 26%. Um, I actually voted for Zhang at first. But the more <laughs> I look at this and the more I think about it... Um, I think you're right, Spread. You've made you've made a good plea there. I think for the spirit of the award, I think Putin Seva is going to be someone that we have here every single year. I think that week in and week out, she made tennis matches interesting that um, we weren't necessarily super excited to watch. Um, so I'm going to go Putin Seva. Jorge, will, any uh, disagreements? I am not. Well, I think it's a two-one vote, but I am not going to complain about giving Putin Seva an award. Well then. Yulia Putin-Seva, congratulations on your sixth woman of the year. We appreciate you playing such great tennis and keeping things hot and heavy um, in those weeks when maybe we had less eyeballs. Now on to the next award, most improved player. Um, this was a pretty interesting group of players here. Let's go through and just quickly take a look at the change in rank. That was one of the things that we looked at here. Now, our first pick here, Veronica Kudermatova. 134 last year, all the way up to 40 this year. Lauren Davis, uh, 174 last year, all the way up to 64 this year. Allison Risk, 
um, 62 last year, all the way up into the top 20 at number 18. And then Carolina, much and or Mahova, um, started the year at uh, 145 and almost made the top 20 just outside there at 21. Now the fan voting here picked Mahova at 42% risk, just behind there at 36%. Kudamatova only 16%. Lauren Davis just 7%. Jorge, who was your pick for most improved? Oh, man, this is a tough one. I respect what Allison Risk did, and I think her jump is probably tougher than a lot of the the other jumps in terms of just sheer numbers. Like, she may not have had the most spots gained, um, but I think she had the toughest. I'm going to go Mahova. Uh, I like how well-rounded her game is, how much she's added. Um, her serve is nice to watch. She's a good returner. She uh, can play the angles. She can play multiple surfaces. Uh, I, I don't trust Ali Risk anywhere but grass. And, I mean, that late... Sure, the late surge in the season was was nice. I don't think it's repeated. I think she drops back again next year. Um, most improved player doesn't just mean who... I guess it does just mean who improved the most this year. But I think part of this consideration also has to be, you know, how sustainable is that, that success? Because frankly, did you really improve or did you just have one good, you know, outlier of a year? And I think the, the players with the most chance of sustaining the improvement are Kudermatova and Mahova. So that's really what I'm going to go with. Um, it's between those two, and for me, it's Mahova. I just think her game's a little bit more well-rounded, um, even though I'm a big fan of uh, the Cooter Monster. But I think that in order to be improved, you know, you have your game has to be better and not just the same game that had a nice stretch. And I think Allison Risk, a lot of her game is still very similar from my evaluation. So I expect her to drop, and I do think that that should factor into being an improve, uh, improving your game. I love what you just said there, and I feel the exact way about Mahova. Um, she is my pick to win this award simply because I think of, when I look at the list of these players, it's close between her and Kuder Matova. I look forward to betting Mahova in just about every hardcore tournament next year. She had a great year this year and has shown just a ton of capability, and I think that she has a great chance to continue to be as good as she was this year. Spread, did you have a different opinion? No, I'm in lockstep with you guys here. And my choice basically for Mahova was... Um, if I think if you did you do the tape study and you watched her at the beginning of the year to the end of the year, I think that you would see uh, just the greatest improvement as a player. I think that you know Risk was able to jump up because um, basically she had sharper results and she was able to improve more on big points, which allowed her to get some wins. Um, you know she was winning the crucial points more often against the top players that allowed her to jump into the top 20 but I think that overall just uh, improving her game and her skill set I think that Muhova had the most improvement this year congratulations to Carolina the 4-0 decision here the fans and the three of us all stacking hands she will get the net worthy for most improved player of the year on to rookie of the year four choices here now the way women's tennis works of course there's not quite um, a true rookie, if you will. A lot of these women we've seen play before um, at lower levels. A lot of them have even played WTA-level tennis. But the idea kind of being here, you know, the, their first full season, their first big step forward, we had four choices. Kaha Hooven, Iga Swiatek, Coco Goff, and Elena Rybakina. The big, big choice from the fans here. 63% of the vote. Uh, I believe the only vote-getter greater than 50%. Oh, God. Uh, yes, Coco Goff, 63% of the vote there. Um, Jorge, do you have any reason to disagree with the fans? Sure. I mean, did, uh, I, well, I guess that tournament late in the year where she won it kind of really boosts her. Um, but I just don't think that, like, outside of Wimbledon, did she really? how much did she really do at WT level other than win a tournament in Lynn's late season that she really shouldn't even have been in because she lost in the final round of qualifying. Like, did she do enough at the WTA level to really warrant being rookie of the year for us? And I say no. Um, I think that uh, Shviatek is a better choice. Um, although she really emerged for me last year, but a lot of that was ITF-based. Um, I think she's a better choice for her early season and, and, and her um, abilities and game. Um I'd have a tough time making the case for Kaya Yuvon, but Ribikin is also a better choice for me uh, when we're talking about the WTA Tour. Yeah, I disagree with the fans, absolutely. So Ribikin was actually my choice when I look at her season, won the title in Bucharest, made the final in Nanjang, um, a lot of long weeks when I flipped through her season here. 
you know, won some lower events, some uh, ITF events, if you will, as well, while she played throughout the season. I thought that she had the most impressive year. I guess the question is, is whether, you know, we make this award about last season or how we feel about going forward. Um, so maybe to ask you a different question, Jorge, do you think Coco Goff has the chance to be the best player of this group? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I think Yuvon is a little more constricted by surface. Um, Rubikina actually surprised me on the clay this year. That was another reason why I really like her in this. Uh, I had her as a clay fade and a hardcore player, but she actually um, picked up a few wins I didn't think she would uh, on the dirt. So I think I was impressed by that. You know, She won a clay tournament in Bucharest. Um, she went to the semis of a grass tournament in Den Bosch. Um, she went to the quarters of another clay tournament in Istanbul. Early in the season, she was racking up um, hardcourt ITF um, results, but then she went to the final of the hardcourt event in Nanchang. She qualified for, I believe, um, two slams. She lost in the first round of the French and the U.S. Open, but she had to qualify for both. She went to the third round qualifying for Wimbledon. Uh, next year, she won't have to do any of that. She went indoors to the semis in Luxembourg, where she lost to a... Julia Gerges, who had refound her, you know, her game, um, and that's going to be a tough match at all time. Uh, always going to be a tough match. Yeah, I think Rubikina did a great job across surfaces this year. She had, to, she was a true rookie in the sense that she had to qualify for slams. You know, we've seen her play many times before, but you know, she still was at the point where she had to qualify for slams. She hadn't made a huge jump in the rankings prior to this season, uh, and she she demonstrated abilities to make deep runs at international events on multiple surfaces. I think she's hands down for me the rookie of the. Uh, of uh, the 2019 season. All right, we got two votes for Rybakina, one fan vote for Goff. Spread, you're in a tough position here. What are you thinking? Well, you know what? Someone's going to have to take the role of the ignorant, ethnocentric American, and I'll go ahead and do that. <laughs> and I'll do that with my support of Coco Goff. And basically, my main reason is giving her the award is like you said, number one, she does have the most potential exciting on the court but what she really did was kind of move tennis back into the mainstream culture here even if it was for a couple weeks i mean i had so much fun turning on and listening to to mike golick and those guys on espn in the morning while i'm driving around butcher her name and pretend to care about tennis for the two weeks but uh basically just what she did as far as capturing the public's imagination i thought was enough for her uh to garner the award because going into next year i mean she's already announced for uh the city open in dc i mean she's already a hot ticket so um maybe not uh, for as far as on-court accomplishments Thank but you. just for <laughs> raising but for raising awareness uh or not necessarily awareness but just interest in in the sport uh that's why i'm giving her the award just because she definitely came on the scene and and increased uh the amount of attention that mainstream american media was given to tennis i'm glad you preface that though because then that like as long as it's it's understood that, like, for other reasons. Like, on court, it's hard to justify, but yeah. Right. All right, well, it sounds like we're picking Coco Goff. I mean, I'm a people pleaser. I want to give the people what they want. I thought Spread make a, made a compelling case. I know, Jorge, you and I both had her, you know, 1B, if not number 2 on our list. So what do you think? Coco Goff, congratulations on Rookie of the Year for the Net Worthy. Our apologies goes out to Elena Rybakina. You had a great season. Maybe, well, I guess not next year. We'll have to find something yeah. else for her to win. <laughs> All right, on to Coach of the Year. Uh, four choices here. Conchita Martinez, who coached Carolina Pliskova. Uh, Craig, I hope it's Tizer. Does anybody know if it's Tizer or Tizer? I don't. Um, he was the coach of Ashley Barty this year. Marion Bertoli, very close to the heart of Spread Astaire. And she was uh, the coach of Elena Ostapenko there. And Sylvain, uh, Sylvain? Maybe Sylvain. Sylvain. Anyway, Bruno, um, <laughs> Bianca Andreescu's anyway. coach. Um, of course, Bruno, the big favorite there. Andreescu's coach getting 46% of the vote. Um, you know, the next three pretty close. Bartoli, 20%. Conchita Martinez, 19%. Um, Tizer and or Tizer, who I think won the uh, WTA Insider Twitter poll, whatever, coach of the year. But who cares about that? Spread, who was your coach of the year? I wonder. Oh, I mean, I was a total homer on this pick. I picked Bartoli. <laughs> She got Ostapenko to play a normal level of tennis, so I picked her. She got her back on form, and she was fun to watch as far as, you know, talking about, you know, from a, a fan's perspective or just just watching their 
uh, their on-court interactions were just so fun, how they would just basically gossip about the other player and just, I don't know. I just had a lot of fun watching her, and I think it made uh, it made Ostapenko matches a lot more fun to watch. So, complete homer pick. You can go ahead and disregard it when we're give, actually giving out the award, but I voted for uh, Bartoli. It's good to know there's certain things you can count on, isn't there, Jorge? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, there's no chance it was Bartoli, but... Um, you know, good for spread. <laughs> coach for what three tournaments? Good for spread. Yeah, I mean, and they weren't even big tournaments. Uh, so she won thirty-three percent of the tournaments. Bartoli coached. Yeah, yes, and none point. of them were big. It's a tournaments, pretty good so. number. Well, they're wins. Title's a title, bro. <laughs> All right, Jorge. Who is your choice? That is for so wrong. <laughs> this is a two-horse race. Um, it's either Tizer or uh, Bruno. There's no doubt. Um, you can call me a homer for this. I mean, Barty had been a bit more established. I think the fact that I think the fact that she won the French actually gives her a stronger case than anything else she did all year. We knew she was an amazing grass and hardcore player. We knew that. But the fact that she won the French freaking open, I mean, that's where I think you have to take a look at the coaching and say, no one saw that coming. No one knew that she was going to have a good uh, run at a clay event, let alone the biggest clay event in the world. Um I'm sorry, but there had to be some some technique worked on, some uh, coaching involved in getting her to that point. Uh, that is why I'd, I'd say that, you know, he's in this race. But to me, to take an 18-year-old, win two, uh, you know, big, big premier events, um, and then win Canada's first ever singles Grand Slam with an 18-year-old girl who had injury problems all season, like, this is... Sylvain Bruno to me, undoubtedly easy pick. Don't have to think too long about it. I think any other year, you know, the season that Ash Barty had and, and kind of the 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 coaching uh, tactics that it took to get her there, especially with the French Open, I think any other year um, he'd win. But in this year, it has to be Sylvain Bruno. There's no question. I think so too. Um, you know, hats off to everybody else on this list. I will say, though, it was kind of a little down year for coaching moments. We think about last year, some of the great speeches we got to see. Um, I mean, I think everyone remembers the Russian wall speech. That was absolutely incredible. I don't know. I don't. There wasn't anybody who really popped for me. But when you think about the player and the growth, I think Andreescu and Bruno makes total sense. The younger player, I think that she got better and better every single week. And again, when you think about all the injuries and things that she played through, um, just an incredible season by her. And I, it's hard for me to think that she could do that uh, without his help. So I'm going to join forces with Jorge and the fans and... Uh, you know, forego spreads incredible bias to award the Coach of the Year <laughs> award this year. Congratulations, Mr. Sylvain Bruno for Coach of the Year. Now, on to the biggest award of the night. I know it's late. Everyone's, you know, maybe we've lost a little enthusiasm. But it's time for Most Valuable Player of the Year. We had four <laughs> choices. Ashley Barty, Bianca Andreescu, Simona Halep, and Naomi Osaka. And quickly, just to go through a little recap of each of their years, Miss Barty will start with... One, two, three, four, five, six finals for her, winning four tournaments, one being the WTA finals, as well as the aforementioned French Open. She also won Miami and Birmingham, uh, finishing second in Beijing, as well as City to start the year. Bianca Andreescu, five finals for her. She won four, the U.S. Open, Toronto, Indian Wells, Newport Beach, and finished second at Auckland. I actually forgot she finished second in Auckland at the beginning of the year. Good win for Julia Gorgas right there. Simona Halep, our third choice. Uh, only three finals for her, though, this year. Winning Wimbledon, much to our surprise. Um, finishing second in Madrid and Doha. And then Naomi Osaka, three finals, three titles for her. The Australian Open, Osaka, as well as Beijing. Now, the fan choice here, um, Andreescu, 38% of the vote. Osaka, 36% of the vote. Barty, to my surprise, only 18% of the vote. And Simona Halep, 8% of the vote. So it seems like it's kind of a two-horse race as far as our fans are concerned. Jorge, what do you think? I think that they're absolutely correct that it is a two-horse race. They are. They couldn't be more incorrect between the two horses contesting the race. Thirty-six yep. percent exactly. of you are, and you know, I love you guys, and thank you for listening. And you, you know, you know, I love you all, but you also know that I'm a brash, outspoken, outspoken. Backhanded <laughs> compliment alert. Outspoken. I'm a very outspoken person. I will tell you what I think. I think thirty-six percent of you are full of absolute shit. Um, yeah, it's it's between Andreescu and Barty. There's no doubt. Uh, in my mind, 
Um, I think it's actually really close. Another part I love about this is if you had... This is this is the four slam champions too, and that's that's what I love about this is we didn't pick just the four slam champions. These four all have different reasons. They also have other wins on their resume to put, to put them in this category. Um, Halep has other finals, but I mean she's also the best returner in the game and consistently in the top three, top five. Um, but if you had told me before the season that Ashley Barty and Simona Halep were going to win Wimbledon the French Open, I don't think I would have come close to disagreeing with you. Um, if you had said that it would be Halep at Wimbledon and Barty at the French, and if anyone out there says, you know, I give you these two, will win Wimbledon and French, place them in their respective titles leading into the French Open. If any of you had have said Barty, French, and Simona Halep, Wimbledon, I would have called you an outright liar. Like, that would have been an absolute lie. There's no way anyone saw those two winning the tournaments they did. And I think that's really cool about tennis, is that you can pick the winners of the slams correctly and just get the slams they won way off. Um, but this is between Barty and Andreescu. For me, again, it's going to be Bianca Andreescu. Um, I, it's, it's close for me. It really is. But I, I have to go with, uh, with Andreescu. Um, she's just, she's just that good. Like, and the hard court numbers she put up this year were beyond ridiculous. Um, I get someone that came with the Newport Challenger, which is, you know, only 160 point event. It's, you know, WTA 125K kind of thing, but goodness gracious, like, holy cow, was she good on hard courts. It really took injuries to stop her, um, on a hard court this year. It was absolutely incredible to watch. Spread, what are you thinking? Yeah, so, I mean, I completely agree with Jorge as far as who the top two should be. I think it's definitely between Barty and Andreescu. And I tell you what, Barty made a nice late push there uh, by winning the, the last tournament of the year. Of course, Andreescu wasn't able to fully compete. That would have been nice if we could have had a, a culmination match there in the finals. Um, but we didn't. Um, but injuries aside, I'm still going to choose Bianca too, just because of the way, uh, that she took the scene over and, uh, at her best, I, it was the, the best display of tennis that I've seen that not from Serena in a while. And I think it even eclipsed Osaka's, uh, 2018, which was a fantastic way to finish the year. Um, but her all court game is so impressive. Uh, her mental fortitude is so impressive, and her ability to get those wins, especially uh, the U.S. Open win, um, just push it over the top for me. Yeah. Before uh, before you throw in your noobs too, I just want to I want to add like for me this isn't like you know seventy percent thirty percent Andreescu. It is as close as like fifty two forty eight. Yeah. It is Excellent. it is it's yeah. tough. I mean, you look at they each have a slam. Um, they each won one of the the March big tournaments in Miami and Indian Wells. Uh, Bianca came home and won Toronto where Barty went out early, but then Barty has the Masters Cup, the the WTA Finals. Barty also went to the final in Beijing late in the season. I mean, it is tough to really pick between these two. I, so I, I almost I almost want to change to Barty. Like, it's that close. So my choice was Barty, and uh, okay. what I noticed actually was she is the only player in this group to win a title on all three surfaces. Won Ooh. Miami, won the French Open, and won Birmingham. So that's a grass, a clay, and a hard, and then another hard on, on Shenzhen. That's, that's uh, indoors, too, That uh, that uh, the last one. So that's, that's true. Really you go indoor, outdoor. So that's almost four surfaces in a way. Um, I just, oh. I, when, I, when I think about Barty, and I think I said this a bunch of times when we were on the podcast when I was probably frustrated losing Barty Futures, um, I think she is still the most overall talented player. You know, if you were to look at everyone's Madden ratings, if you will, for every single thing they can do, you know, I don't know if she'd have the highest rating in a lot of things, but I think she would have, you know, the highest fl floor, if you will, in all of her ratings. You know, her lowest rating would be higher than just about anybody else's. And I just, I think she had the best year. She won at the beginning. She won during the middle. She won at the end. She was a presence all year. I think Andreescu um, absolutely had a fantastic year. And just like you guys said, you know, for me, it's probably 51-49, you know, maybe 52-48, um, Barty. But, you know, Andreescu for me was a dominant on hard courts, but didn't get to see her play that much on grass, didn't get to see her do too much on clay. And I'm excited for that next year but i my vote's going to barty so i think we've got two to one on no, this side that you, you guys know, are flipping 
You know what? <laughs> I think I, I think I have to flip just based on the consistency um, at the bigger events and the fact that Barty did play all season. And I think Andrescu's injuries, while not her fault, perhaps. You know what? I, I do think that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to flip to Barty here. Um, I just I'm looking at the the overall resumes again, going over tennis explorer. Ty, like, I, I yeah, I think that Barty just had a little bit more. I think yeah, I got to go Barty. All three surfaces all year. That's 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 my pitch. Spread. Do you have any um any 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 complaints? Any uh, final denials here before we pause? No, because like I said, I was Australian. I was real close with Jorge too. You know, like fifty two, forty eight percent. And I think that you made a good point that's hard to deny as far as the success across all the services. So, um, I think I think that you've won the day here, and I think that that Barty should be the winner. Well, sorry to our fans. Unfortunately, it was your third choice. Third in your hearts. First in ours. <laughs> Congratulations to Ashley Barty. Most valuable player of the year. And thank you again, everybody. We hope that's as much fun for you as it is for us. We love going through, building out the nominees, some of your comments um, back and forth on who was there, who wasn't there. Um, and continue to you know, kind of pepper things in. We love the conversation. We really appreciate it. And like we said, kind of at the end of the thread there, thanks for a great year. We appreciate all your support and everything that you do for us um, and all your communication. And you know, don't be shy. If you haven't contacted us in the past, we'd love to talk to you. We all love talking about tennis. We all love talking about gambling. And we would love, love, love to hear from you. Now, one more thing, a look hmm. to next year. We are lucky enough to have entry lists for a few tournaments. Yeah, like five of them? Let's see. Yeah, it looks like there's... Uh, I'm looking at the list you sent. Yeah, so right now I've got Adelaide and Hobart here. Let me look at the other link you sent just to make sure that I have that one as well. Um, but starting to look towards next year. Let's see what the first match we've got here. Is Brisbane the first? I'm trying yeah, to look at the date. Yeah, Brisbane, Shenzhen, and uh, Auckland. Yep, Brisbane. Let's take a look here. Ashley, Barty, Pliskova, Osaka, Svitolina, Kvitova, Burtons, Conta, Keys, Kennan... Risk, Vekic, Kerber, Mahova, Yastremska, Sakari, Sloan, Stevens, Annette Kontovate, Sevastova, Pavlyuchenkova, Danielle Collins, Sue Shea, Barbara Stritzova. Did Barbara Stritzova retire? <laughs> no, I think uh, <clears throat> I think that I think she announced this is going to be her last year. You look at uh, as did Carla Suarez Navarro. By the way, we should uh, we should mention yeah. that. That's as well, true. As news. We'll talk about that when we wrap right before we wrap. Um, I think. This is one of my favorite weeks because, one, tennis is back. Duh. Uh, and number two, this isn't a fun time to look at, like, you know, the people down in Auckland are going to be there because they're usually defending points. I think, like, Serena Bianca potential there for a third finals head-to-head would be really cool. But there's always intriguing storylines with all of this stuff, and I love looking at these entry lists. And it's so, stacked. It's nice to see a small tournament with this many big names. I mean, there's not a bad first-round matchup no matter what you do with this mix of names. Well, Brisbane and Sydney and now Brisbane and Adelaide are always going to be like that. They yep. always like to the premier events. Um, they're in Australia leading into the Aussie Open, so you usually play one of the two. Some might play both. But that way you're not, you know, playing in Shenzhen, China, and having to take, you know, get all the way down to Australia to get ready for the Aussie. Um, so I think that's why it's so popular. Um and it has the premier points and money. So you've got, you know, your typical 30 to, you know, you got to be top 35, got to be top 33 to even get direct entry into this field. Makes sense. You know, this is going to be the, 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 the premier tournament of the week, not just by billing, but I mean, like, it is going to be the, the most watched. But, you know, Shenzhen um, will always have some decent players because of the money that accompanies it. It's one of the highest paid international events you'll get. Um, so Sabalenka always does well there. You know, you got Elise Mertens is going to be fun to watch. Benchich um, on what should be quicker courts. And, of course, your contingent of, uh, of Asian players as well. But the one I love to watch um, will be Auckland. Like, Rebecca Peterson, after her good run at the end, is going to head down and try and, you know, build up more points. Yelena Ostapenko is going to be there, you know, after a good end of the season with Bartoli, she's going to try and go to a smaller tournament and build. Andreescu has to defend finals points. Serena wants to get her Aussie Open uh, prep off without you know having to navigate the Brisbane field. Caroline Garcia needs a big bounce back here. She's heading down there to do it. Gerges, the defending champion, has to defend points. Anisimova um, didn't have a great year after uh, the tragic passing of her dad. So 
Like, I think I love to go over entry lists and see, you know, look at the motivation for players, why they picked the tournaments they did. And I think Auckland is going to be one where, you know, there's a lot of motivation down there. Like, these players aren't going, you know, it's not a paycheck tournament. Um, it's really windy. It's They're not the best conditions to play in. Like, the players that are there are there for a reason. Sarita might be there because it's a paycheck, you know, in terms of appearance fee. But the rest of them all have a reason to play hard. And I think that's going to be a really fun tournament to watch. Yeah, I like that one as well. Just to quickly blow through the draws here. Quick spread before you jump in and maybe pick your favorite. Shenzhen, you've got Benchit, Sabalenka, Mertens, Wang Xiang, Muguruza, Rybakina, Zhang, Zhang, Alexandrova, Magdalenette, Wang Yafan, Siniakova, Blinkova, Pliskova, the lesser, Sastovich, uh, Lin Zhu, Serenko, uh, one of our favorites, Sorona Kirstea there. Um, and then you look at the Auckland field, Andreescu, Serena, Martic, Anna Samova, Gorgas, Wozniacki. Again, one of the last tournaments we'll get to see her play in. Kat Bellis, looks like we got CeCe back this year. Peterson, oh, Ostapenko, wow. so I know Spread's going to be paying attention here. Caroline Garcia, um, you know, three pretty fun groups. Now, Spread, do you have any thoughts kind of on uh, maybe what your favorite event's going to be? I know that uh, Jorge made a pretty compelling case for Auckland. I still like the field in Brisbane the best, but what do you think? Yeah, I like Brisbane too. Honestly, I'm just excited that it's back. Uh, well, it will be back. I'm watching. I have a tennis channel on right now, so I'm watching a a, a Potapova golf replay. But I'm ready for the for the real thing to start back up. And my favorite part about the beginning of the year is it's kind of late at night out here for us, so I get to uh, kind of watch it in peace and, and just kind of take in all my things on the players and what they've been doing in the off season. And obviously, it's always a great chance to see who's been working out, working on their game, and who's been working on uh, their Instagram. All right, the, the week after that, two events and just before the Australian Open. Adelaide, we've got Barty, Halep, Kvitova, Burtons, Conta, Kennan, Martich, Von Drusova. Looks like that'll be her return from a long, long break. Excited to see her play again. Risk, Vekic, Kerber, Yastremska, Sakari, Stevens, Contivate, Sevastova, Gorgas, Danielle Collins, and Wang Jiang. And then in Hobart, um, another pretty good field. Mertens, Rybakina, Zhang, Kudamatova, Lynette, Cece Bellis, Rebecca Peterson, Caroline Garcia, Van Utvank, Wang Yafan, Kuzmova, Kuznetsova, looking here, Buzkova, a handful of other names. You know, I, I think you know, we get a pretty clear choice for maybe the uh, the more talented field, but two pretty good groups. Spread, what are your initial reactions to those two? No, it's going to be great. And the one thing is uh, these fields might be depleted by the winners of the week before. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But I love the run-up to the Australian Open. It's quick. And, and like I said, you really get a good idea of of who really spent time working on their game in the off season and who didn't. What do you think, Ore? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, your, <clears throat> your Auckland to Hobart parallels, obviously, there. You get a lot of the same names. Um, CC Ballas on her return should be fun to watch. Um, I watched her. She actually returned this year on uh, an ITF or two. She didn't look like... I always thought she had some decent hitting before she got hurt, and because it was an elbow or a wrist, or I think it was elbow, um, I think she's lost a lot of that, so I think the game style might have to, to, to change a bit. I think there was always some counterpunching there as well, but she just looks like a lot more of a player who's going to have to defend well and angle well to win. So that's going to be something to watch, unless the strength builds up over time, obviously, uh, which is always possible. Um, you know, Ribikina, Blinkova in, in Hobart. I always like the secondary events. Like, yeah, Adelaide's got the big players, and but everyone knows the big players. The betting markets are a lot more efficient on the big names. I love watching these smaller events with these players in that, you know, 40 to 100 range and, and the up-and-comers and can you find value you know there's can Kuzmova bounce back have a more consistent year um can Garcia bounce back from a down year can Lynette sustain what she did late in the season how much more would Kudamatova progress same thing with Rubikina and the one thing I would say if I had one big takeaway from these two sets of entry lists um to start the season I am not huge on Elise Mertens playing Auckland and then Hobart you're a top 20 player. You have aspirations to go deep at a slam. The Aussie courts are quicker than you probably want them to be. Um, and so you have two opportunities to play top-level talent and get and get ready for what you're going to face in the third round um, and uh, third round and later at the Aussie. And you went to... Or sorry, she went to Shenzhen and then Hobart, right? Yeah. Not... Uh, yeah. And you chose to go to Shenzhen and Hobart... 
where you're going to be a top three seed and then a, a, the one seed. I don't understand the rationale. Um, I would think you'd want to play at least one of Adelaide and, and uh, uh, Brisbane to try and, you know, get used to the top level talent. And, like, no one's going to really push you outside of Sabalenka and Bencic and Shenzhen. I don't see anyone who's going to push you to the level of the top 10 in the world, Will, uh, in Melbourne. And I think this is a bit of a mistake um, on her part. No, I like that. That's a great call out there. I wonder, you know, if she's looking for some easy couple wins and then kind of packs it in those weeks. But it's going to be tough to play her during the Australian Open. As I was looking at the list, I can't wait to pick um, Buzkova to win Hobart. It's funny. I looked at all those lists, and none of them really stuck out to me. But I look at that. Is Hobart indoors? No. Yep. So it's not at, it's not Van Udvank. But anyway, it's nice to be thinking about tennis. We've got some coming on now. The one final thing we probably should have talked about this just after Wozniacki. Another retirement announcement in the last week or so. Carla Suarez Navarro um, has decided this will be her last season as, as a professional tennis player. Um, I didn't really have much of a reaction, if I'm being perfectly honest. But spread. I know that you like her maybe a little more than the other two of us. So, are you upset? Are you sad? Are you gonna Are you gonna miss CSN? Yeah, I mean, I I really like what she brought to the tour. I thought she had a fun, different style game, um, and I really thought that she had a, a great looking backhand. Um, fun to watch, but you know what? It's about that time. Her results were kind of dipping off, and. They don't. I mean, these players have made plenty of money. There's no reason for them to hang around the tour, you know, like uh, old wrestlers. Like uh, who's that guy in the movie Mickey Rourke in that movie, the wrestler just hanging on to make things go. They don't need to do that. They might as well go out on top. Uh, she's had a great career. I don't see it. You know, I don't see her results getting any better. So it seems to me like it's a very smart decision. Jorge, do you have anything positive to say about Miss Navarro, despite how many times you bet her to beat Venus Williams last year? <laughs> <laughs> Had to bring it up. Um, <laughs> no, you know, it's good for her. I think she was a very solid player. It's probably the best way to describe her. Um, or is, I guess she has another year left. But like, She's not dying. Nothing she's she just did, retiring. She, nothing she did particularly well. Very, very solid, above average, consistent top 20 to 30 player in the world. I'm sure she pressed uh, her career eyes a little bit better. But she was never like every year, year-end top 10 but I don't think she was ever, like, you know, outside of the top 40 or 50 either, right? So, very consistent. You know what you're getting. Managed to stay healthy. Um, just very, very solid player. There's not much you could say that's great about her. There's not much you can hammer her on either. I like what you said, Spread. I think you're right. She's leaving um, probably at the right time. Last year was a tough year for her. And um, you know, she's had a nice career. You're right. She does bring something a little different, and it's always fun to see some variety. So congratulations to her. We, ha- we wish her the absolute very best. And I think that's just about it for this week. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up here? Yeah, let's keep you guys on your toes. Quick question, prediction. Who do you think will be number one in the world at this point next year? Bianca Andreescu. You think so, huh? Who do you say, Jorge? Hmm. Oh, boy, that's tough. Um, now that I think about it, I want to pick Halep. <laughs> I was, that, that was my pick. <laughs> see, I was going to say, like, I have a feeling that I am not. I don't want to sleep on Halep. The three I would say are Andreescu, Barty, or Halep. I, I do think Halep could get back to the top. But and Cahill's coming back this year. My problem with Ooh. Barty and Halep is that they've got the toughest slams to defend of anyone. Osaka is good on those fast courts, both the U.S. Open and the Aussie Open. Um, Bianca Andreescu loves her hard court, so she'll have a good chance to defend hers. But both those women, Halep and Barty, do you expect them to win back-to-back Frenches for Barty and back-to-back Wimbledons for Halep? There's going to be points dropped there for both of them, and I think, you know, you, all things being equal... Unless if, they just switch. I was going to say, do you think there's a chance they swap? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. God, now that I think about it, hell. They might it, swap. It seems they have a lot of replaceable points. Andreescu, her big deal is, you know, she could pop and have a really nice Australian Open. That would be a good way for her to jump early in the season. But yeah, if Halep and, and Barty switch, then it's a really interesting race. Yeah, you know what? It, it's between those three. And I think, you know what, as much as I just said, they have the hardest titles to defend. I also literally 10 to 15 minutes ago talked about how amazing it was that, 
you know, they didn't win the opposite. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if they switched either, uh, swapped either. This is going to be an interesting run. I love that. That's what I love about the WTA is you could also have, like, you never, you could have, like, an Amanda Anisimova just go on an absolute tear with her big game uh, and have a huge season. I'm not saying her in particular. I'm saying someone like that. And someone that's 17th or 18th or 20th in the world right now could end up at number one because that's how the WTA works. Belinda Bencic, who former top five, went through a huge valley and had a great bounce back year. If she hits her peak next year, she could be number one in the world. Like, it's it, who knows? It's a great question, Spread. I think that, I, is a, that was good. What do you think? I, Anything else to add? I just know it won't be Ostapenko. Oh, that was flagrant. Probably, probably true though. But that was flagrant. Oh, I like that spread. Probably true. Did you hear that? That little hint of hope. That hint of optimism. I was just, I was just gonna say, like, probably is like that is spread being unrealistically optimistic. It is definitely uh, not gonna happen. (laughs) Although you know the best part is, and I say that now, I'm gonna look like an idiot a year from now, and we're going over this. Like, Ostapenko could win Wimbledon and the French, too. <laughs> like, she could put 4,000 points up right there, and it's like, oh, look how stupid John looks now. <laughs> well, it doesn't get any better than that, folks. So I think we're going to end on that note. Thank you, everybody, again, for listening. We appreciate all your support. We'd love a rating, a review. Please follow us on Twitter at NetworthPod, and have a great week. Good luck in all your wagers.